You are listening to Community Voices on NPR Illinois. I'm Vanessa Ferguson, and today we are talking to author and comedian Mark Schiff. Mark will open for Jerry Seinfeld here in Springfield this February, and he's written an insightful and funny book titled Why Not? Lessons on Comedy, Courage, and Chutzpah. Mark Schiff, welcome to the show. Hello, Vanessa. Thank you for having me. You know, before we came on, you told me that the show with Jerry is sold out, and Gee, I hope I can get in to perform. I hope so. <laughs> That'd be just awful if I get shut out there. It truly would, because I have to tell you, in in learning about you and reading your book and watching your stand-up and listening to your podcast, you are so, so funny. And yeah. people are going to love seeing you perform. And I think they're going to love this book too. I feel like you wrote it for me. It's, it's got humor. It's got behind the scenes stories, life lessons. And I'm definitely going to ask you questions about it. But first, I have to ask you about The Tonight Show. I've never talk to anyone who's ever been on Johnny Carson's show, let alone be invited to the seat next to him, which is for people who don't know, that's that's a huge deal for comics. So can you kind of tell us about what it was like to be in Johnny Carson's presence? Well, it was absolutely monumental for me, both emotionally and as far as my career is concerned. In those days, Johnny Carson legitimized comedians. Now, if you do these shows, it doesn't mean as much. It just doesn't have the same uh, effect. But people were telling me as far back as seventh grade, I told them I wanted to be on the Johnny Carson show. And somehow I made this uh, this happen. But when he called me over to the panel, that was really something. Sitting across from this incredible, iconic figure, just looking in his face. The amazing thing about Carson was I got on the show. He was already 25 years into doing the show. He watched, paid such attention to each performer that when I sat down during the commercial break, he started giving me insights how to make my routines even better. You know, after 25 years, sometimes people start slacking off. This guy did not for a second. And it was a great honor. I also ended up at the end of his career, he put together something called the Ultimate Johnny Carson Collection. And he picked his favorite First shots of new comedians came on. That means the first time they came on. And I, he picked mine as one of his all-time favorites. You mentioned how this was such a big deal. Is it such a big goal as a comic? Is there anything like that on par with being on Johnny Carson nowadays and getting to sit next to him? I can't think of anything that would be that profound. So the answer is in TV, no. But perhaps there are some podcasts that could have that effect. But, you know, people used to, Carson, he had millions of people every night, 15, 20 million people tuning in. These guys now get a million people, a million and a half people. So it's David Brenner, great comedian, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and 2000s. He said after his first Tonight Show, the next day he had $10,000 worth of work. You know, and comedians weren't making that much money back then, uh, you know, so that was enormous. Like one Tonight Show, his phone didn't stop ringing for months. By the way, it also legitimized me. My wife, we were dating and her mother couldn't believe she had would going out with a comedian. This was <laughs> a nightmare to her parents. Like, uh, yeah, I'm Jewish. We're a doctor, a lawyer, so, you know, something, a comedian. What is it? But when I did the Tonight Show, it legitimized me with her parents. And her mother was getting her nails done and saying, my daughter is dating this comedian. He's on a Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. Tonight. I became a hero to the family rather than a pariah. <laughs> <laughs> 
I have to tell listeners too, you have a great story about getting on the Tonight Show. And, and I want to encourage them to go pick up the book if you want to hear that story. But you have a lot of stories that are really just wonderful. And I wondered, as you were thinking about writing the book, did you kind of squirrel those stories away and these nuggets of wisdom that you have? Or did it just kind of flow out from you when you were writing? So what happened was I didn't originally start out to write a book. That, that's the miracle of this book. I started writing for a newspaper called The Jewish Journal. And the guy called me and I had never written an essay before. I, I, I've been paid as a writer my whole life being a stand-up, but it's different to write essays. So he said, would you like to write something? I said, uh, why not? And if I would have said no thanks, two words can change your life. No thanks, this book would not have been here. I said, why not? And I jumped in. And then all of a sudden I had like 30 essays and then COVID hit. And I said, okay, I'm not, I don't know how long I'm not going to work for as a stand-up because you can't go in front of live audiences. I said, I'm just going to keep writing and see, maybe I might have a book here. And I, I wrote the entire two and a half years every day. And I had an agent. I sent it to him. I said, would you read it? He goes, why not? Then he read it. Then he found a publisher. They wanted to read it. He asked me, can we let them? I said, why not? And that's why we call the book, Why Not? Because everybody said, why not? Yeah, you know, it, it is a, a a great lesson in your book when you talk about the opportunities that you do take. There are several opportunities that you kind of take hold of in the book. For example, meeting Catherine Hepburn, lunch with Carl Reiner, getting a critique from Neil Simon about a play you wrote. I was mind blown. I almost threw the book when I read that part. I was like, Come on, you got to be kidding me with this. This is incredible. But is there a favorite story that you wrote about in the book that maybe you could share with listeners today? Wow. Well, by the way, the Neil Simon story, him coming to see my play, this is my first play. And that's like getting Shakespeare to come see your play. Yeah. <laughs> and then giving him a thumbs up. You know, he's sitting there with a quill in his pocket, and, you know, and he's got the hat with the feather and he's going, yeah. Uh, <laughs> So one of the favorite stories in the book, well, you know, one of the ones about Jerry uh, Seinfeld, that's one that I love. So I was with Jerry. Jerry has cars and he loves cars, you know, comedians and cars are a show. And uh, yeah, he altered the terrain. He figured out how to do a talk show in a car. That was an interview show in a car. Nobody had ever done that before. He was he took the two things he loved, talking to comedians and drinking coffee. And he made a success out of this uh, craziness. So Jerry had offered me a car once. We were in Indianapolis and he, we were in this showroom, 60s and 70s, super, you know, muscle cars. And he said, just pick out anything you want to buy for you. And at that particular time, I didn't feel like I could accept a gift of that magnitude. I didn't think enough of myself. And I turned him down. And a friend of mine told me, you know, Mark, if somebody wants to give you a gift, take it because it makes them happy. It's not just for you. It will make them happy. They want it. They love you. They want to do this. He said, if Jerry offers you another car, take it. I said, what are you crazy? Who offers two cars? Nobody offers one car, let alone two cars. Sure enough, I was on the 405 freeway in Los Angeles with Jerry and his uh, beautiful Mercedes. And he looked at me and said, I know you like this car. You want to buy it? I said, I don't have the money. I can't afford it. He said, all right, I'll give it to you. And my head's going, take it, take it, take it. And I said, okay, I'll take it. And then he said, the problem is the radio is not working well. Do you want me to fix it and then give it to you? You want to take it like this? I said, yeah, fix it. My esteem at that point was so high. I said, yeah, fix it. And two weeks later, I got this beautiful guy. I've had it now for eight years. So the uh, somebody offers you something and they really care about you, take it. It means a lot to them and it, it means mean a lot to you. So that's one of my favorite stories. I was cheering for you when, when you, in the book, when you said that you would also let him fix the radio for you. I was like, yeah, that's right, Mark. Just let him do it. <laughs> that's your courage. You know, somebody offers you a car and you go, no, come on, I'll spend the $400. I'll fix it myself. He fixed the radio and uh, two weeks later, and we still work together. 
and he'll be in town. I picked him up recently, went out to dinner in the uh, car, and he's always happy to see it. I'll make little videos of myself rolling around in it and send it to him. So uh, he st- it still makes him happy that I'm enjoying the car. You know, one thing that I, I really love about the book, and you have a lot of famous friends that are mentioned in this book. And what struck me most about it was not just that you knew them, but how kind they were. And you really bring up the the human qualities of them that, that maybe we don't get to see. And I just wanted to ask, is that something that was important to you as you were, you were writing about your friends? Oh, yeah, that's a great question. What was most important to me about writing, you know, these famous people that I, I know and I've spent many years with is not to write anything nasty about anybody. This book is is a feel-good book. There's nothing, there's no dirt on anybody. I, I, I didn't want to go that way. And a lot of times in publishing, that's what they want. They want, give me the gossip, give me the, the sex stuff about them. I, no, that's not what this is about. When I came up in comedy, I came up with a great bunch of people that were so supportive. Paul Reiser, George Wallace, Gilbert Gottfried, Jerry Seinfeld, so many people. And we've remained friends for over 40 years, all of us. Did you know when you were amongst this group of friends who are immensely talented, that you were a part of greatness? Because I'm in my 30s and I have to tell you, I I grew up watching Mad About You. I heard you were a writer for that show, watching Seinfeld. I mean, these are legendary sitcoms and you were with legendary comics. You yourself are a fantastic comic. Did you know you were amongst greatness? No, you don't know. You know you're amongst talented people. You know, greatness is an interesting thing. Jerry, Paul, these guys work so hard. They were like Zen masters of their craft that it's not a fluke that they became as popular and as famous and and people, you know, just love their their work because they really just get in there, you know, and, and, and do it. But I knew that I was around some of the funniest people around. And that was helpful. Nobody was dull. Nobody was a dud. But we we learned this craft from the from the uh, you know from the bottom up. None of us were natural performers. Well, I love reading about it. I also love listening about it because you have a podcast called You Don't Know Shift, and you tell a lot of other great stories that that didn't make it into the book. It, it, just incredible conversations you're having on that show. I I absolutely adore it. Can you tell us a little bit about starting that project with uh, your co-host Lowell Benjamin? So I never wanted to do. A podcast by myself. Yeah, I do my stand up that, that you, and even that you don't do completely by yourself because I'll run things by other comedians and we'll talk, but it, it's mostly a loner game. I, I didn't feel like doing a podcast completely by myself. And I know this, I knew this woman, Kathy Heller, who has something called Don't Keep Your Day Job. She's had over 30 million downloads. She's very popular. That's Lil's wife. And uh, Kathy said to me, Mark, you should do a podcast. And then I knew her husband. I said, he's a funny guy. Why don't we do one together? And uh, we started You Don't Know Schiff. And Lil's probably 30 years younger than I am. He's a great co-host. He's funny. He's smart. He does all the research. And we make a great team. And again, the podcast, there's not a lot of dirt about people. It's nice talk about important subjects. And it's very funny at times. It's also very moving at times. Another thing I really loved in your book are all the life lessons. And early on in the book, you talk about the importance of finding things that amaze you every day. And so I have to ask what amazed you yesterday? So yesterday was an incredible day. I have two grandkids now and uh, there's a girl, my my son and his uh, wife had a little girl name is Lucy. I wrote a story about her called I Love Lucy. First girl on my side of the family in a hundred years. That is amazing. And yesterday, she's only five months old. They let me babysit by myself for her. So 
I went over. I'm going, I'm going to do this. 20 minutes later, I called my wife. I said, you got to get over here. She's screaming. She's yelling. Even though I raised three boys, I found that amazing that I couldn't last. She knocked me out after 15 minutes that I had to make a phone call. That was amazing to me. She she just had me cornered and just kept pounding me. So everything is amazing. There is nothing amazing that's not just the fact that I opened my eyes this morning and could still see. Is that not amazing? It is. It absolutely is. Well, like I said, the, the, that part of the book, I, I just, as I'm reading it, I'm like, yeah, yeah. And then I think, okay, well, there's a life lesson. The rest of it's just going to be stories. And then there's another life lesson, another, and it's just, it, it's insightfulness and humor. And I just, I really, really enjoyed it. And I, I hope people will go pick up a copy. You are coming to Springfield though. And I hope you have a fantastic welcome. You're going to be performing with Jerry. And can you give us some insight into the behind the scenes of being on the road with Jerry? What is that day going to look like for you, do you think, in Springfield? I will get there the day before the show. And Jerry comes in the day of the show. He comes from New York. I'll come from LA. Then when he he gets to the hotel, he calls me and says, come on over. And I go to his room. We spend about two hours talking because catching up on, you know, we talk about our wives, our kids, some of the new routines we'll go over. And then we get ready and go to the show. We meet in front of Jerry's room with Kevin Docterman. He's the producer. The three of us meet. We bring our bags with us because as soon as the show is over, we'll leave in town. Jerry has a jet and we fly to the next gig that night. And if we get in early enough, we used to sometimes have a cigar and hang out and talk for another couple hours. And then we get up in the morning and around 10 o'clock in the morning, we go see a movie and they will rent the movie theater. Then we go to lunch and then Jerry and I take a walk for about 40 minutes and just chat about life. He's a great person to talk with. He's incredibly deep and smart and funny. And then uh, we get ready for the next show. And if he's going back to LA, I get on the jet and fly with him. If not, he goes to New York and I go back to uh, LA. So that's pretty much an incredible day. And to have the ear of one of the greatest comics that ever lived, Jerry, and be able to throw routines around with him is is really a, a gift from the stars. I bet. Thank you for sharing that. So I was listening to a masterclass by Steve Martin on how to do comedy. And he said that probably one of the first things to do is to just go be where comedy is, whether that be LA or New York. And I'm wondering, since you have just such a great career, what is some advice you would give comics trying to make it big today? So Steve was exactly right. If you want to be a comedian, it's simple. Write original material, find a place, a little club in your area or somewhere, a bar and with strangers and go perform that material in front of these strangers. Your family will lie to you. Your friends will lie to you. Your girlfriend, your wife will lie to you. They'll tell you how funny or not. They don't know. It has to be in front of strangers and bring a tape recorder. This is the key. Take your iPhone, record everything you do. Your tape recorder will not lie to you. It will give you back exactly how well or how not well you did. And that's that's the whole ball of wax becoming a comedian. And you're going to have to work for free for years. I spent five years of bombing every day for five years, practically. Yeah, that that um, that sounds really scary. But uh, hey, we can look at you and look at uh, your friends and know that it works. We're starting to wrap up the show. So just let me remind people that Mark Schiff will be coming to Springfield again. That's February 17th. He's performing with Jerry Seinfeld. He's got this very hilarious, very insightful book titled Why Not? Lessons on Comedy, Courage, and Chutzpah. Mark, thank you so much for being on NPR Illinois with us today. Before we let you go, was there anything I didn't ask you about that you wanted to share? Is there a final message you could leave us with? Another great question. 
Yeah, try to do something uh, nice for somebody every day. When I wake up in the morning, this is uh, this is a marriage. I'm going to give you primo marriage tip. When I wake up every morning, my wife, I get up before her. I make her breakfast. I make her coffee. And I write about it in the book. I make her coffee, maybe some fruit or something like that. So every day when I wake up, one of the first things I do is I do something for somebody else. So that's a good way to start your day. And if you're not married, not living with somebody, maybe call somebody and see how they're doing. If you have a dog, get the dog out for a nice walk. But get out of yourself as quick as you can. I love that. Well, I couldn't say it any better. Do something nice for someone every day. Mark Schiff, thank you so much for being here today on Community Voices on NPR Illinois. Stay tuned to hear more from the Community Voices team on NPR Illinois 919 UIS.